Turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And I want to read from verse 13. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has taken place. But there's a scene that takes place on the road to Emmaus. It says in verse 13, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Wouldn't that scare you to death? The resurrection of Christ has taken place, but they didn't know it. And they're just walking down the road, talking about all the things that have happened. You know, Christ did all these miracles, and he it was that they thought would be the Messiah, the, the set of the kingdom upon the earth. And then they watched him being crucified and buried. All hope was gone. Boy, the death of a vision. No hope. Everybody's a little sad. But it says in verse 17, And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And you're sad. One of them, whose name was Cliffus, he answered, said, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? You don't know what's going on? Who are they talking to? Jesus. You mean you don't know what's going on? You're a stranger around here? Oh, he knew what was going on. He was what was going on. Verse 19, And he said unto them, What things? Oh, I love this. And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Look in verse 21. But we trusted that it was, or it has been he which should have redeemed Israel. And that's exactly what he had done. We thought he would be the one. He was. And little did they understand that the one that was crucified was fulfilling the scriptures that says this is what he has to do to redeem Israel. Verse 21, And beside all of this, today is the third day since these things were done, since the Passover, you go from Sunday back to Saturday, and then Saturday back to Friday, and then Saturday back to Thursday, Friday back to Thursday. And you're talking about from the day of the Passover, hey, three days has passed. This is the third day. You don't know what's going on? Verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Now, if he was alive, why were they so sad? Certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre, found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. 
Then he said unto them, now look what Jesus said to them. Now if he was to walk in here this morning, he probably would say some of this to you that are sitting here. He says, O fools, and slow of heart to believe. He says, all that the prophets have spoken. Let me read that again to you, in case you didn't catch it. O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, what had taken place was prophesied. You should have known. You could have known. What Jesus did wasn't done in secret. He wasn't hid under a tree or under a bush someplace. What happened to him was in the open. Everybody knew. In verse 26, he says, Ought not Christ, the Messiah, to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Don't you know the book? To people today who don't believe that there is a true and living God, don't believe that, you know, you can really know the truth, it's just because they're ignorant of the facts. Not because there aren't facts. There are facts. Anyone who wants to be honest can take a Bible and go into the Old Testament and find out, yes, it was written before Jesus Christ ever came. Man could not have guessed these things. Jesus could not make these things if he was just a mere man. He could not make all these people do all these things to him in order to fulfill Scripture. Even to the very way he died. He says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And verse 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. What a Bible education that must have been. Boy, would I love to have set in on that Bible class. Jesus going into the Old Testament and explaining all these things to him concerning himself. What a day. And then it says in verse 28, As they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, blessed it, and brake, and gave to them, and their eyes were open. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. You know, I, I like that part, too. I can't wait to get my new body, where I can appear and disappear at will. Pew, pew. Remember, when they went to the tomb, Jesus was already gone. The stone was rolled away just so they could look in. But he wasn't there. He had already gone. And what I like about it is, later when the disciples were in an upper room and the doors were all locked, and Jesus appeared in their midst. To be able to go through walls, to appear and disappear at will. God says that we're going to get a body just like his body. But you see, he has a glorified body. That's the kind of a body we're going to get. Do you realize that the body that we have is not the body we're going to have? 
It's going to be a glorified body. See, I remember back when I was about three, four years old. You say, you can't remember? Yes, I can. I most certainly can. And I have watched myself over the years in this body growing. And I remember when I was 12, I was a Boy Scout. I became 13, I became a Girl Scout. I was wondering if y'all would catch these jewels. <laughs> then I got to be 17, then 25, and then 30, and then 40, and then 50, and then 60. That's enough. <laughs> but one of these days, I know if God should tarry, this body's going to die. But I'm not worried about it, because I'm going to get another one. And I'm going to look a lot better than I do now. Don't laugh. You will too. And it will not hurt anymore. No more pain. You don't have to worry about Obama health care. You won't have to worry about nothing. <laughs> you won't have to worry about getting old and worry about you, none. It's all gone. But I want you to, to see something. He goes on down through and they talk about this. And, and this is the part that I do like. When he says that, uh, boy, how our heart did burn inside of it. Look in verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures. Did you know that he's the same one, even today, that has to open to us the scriptures? If you don't know Christ, you can't know the scriptures. You know words. You can find scripture, but you don't know him. You have to know him in order to know this. And you've got to know this in order to know him. And the Holy Spirit that indwells us is to teach us and open to us the Scripture so we can see and understand. Look what he says down in verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. You see, all these things were written so that we could know the Scriptures. There's something about, there must be something in this book that explains not only his death, burial, and resurrection, but why he did it at all. What's the reasons? Well, after all of this was done, it says there in verse 42, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So, evidently, God wants every person in all the world, and another scripture says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God wants every person to know about Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, and the reason for it. Now, just turn back there in the book of um, Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, and chapter 14. Leviticus chapter 14. Now remember, Jesus was able to go back to the Old Testament and open so many scriptures and help them to see and understand so that they would believe. Why do? So that they would believe he was who he claimed to be. That Jesus Christ had to come, had to die, and fulfill scripture. Well, he even told the tribe of Levi. Now, 
Moses was used by God to write the first five books of the Bible. And it says here in verse 1, and remember he says, beginning at Moses. Well, we're not beginning at the beginning in the first five books, but this is just one little thing I thought I would just throw at you. He says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and said, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now, a person generally who got leprosy didn't get healed from leprosy. It'd take a miracle. But he says, he shall be brought unto the priest. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp. And the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean, and cedar wood, and scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed. Now, how in the Old Testament would you show the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ as a substitute for the sins of the people? Get two birds. Get two live birds. And so, in the illustration, it will teach the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's what Christ did. He had to die to pay for our sins, shed his blood, come back from the dead in order to save us. Now look what he says. He says, take two birds alive. And in verse 5, And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird... He shall take it, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them, and the living bird, in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. So it was a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Somebody innocent dying for somebody that's guilty. Substitution. So that the payment that was made for the person would cause them to live. And so we have the two birds. Not one bird, because one bird won't demonstrate it. But God says there's all these stories and types and so forth in the Old Testament. But wouldn't it have been neat to have Jesus explain this scripture better than what I can do? But it's in here. Look there in chapter 16 of Leviticus. Leviticus in chapter 16. Look in verse 1. And the Lord, L-O-R-D, caps, refers to the Lord Jehovah, spake unto Moses after the death of two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place, within the veil, before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Now, there's the outer court, there's a holy place, and there is the holy of holies. In the holy place, they had the table of showbread and the candlestick, the, uh, the albra, and you, you're talking about this is where they could go into, but there was a veil, and you can't go into that room. And behind that veil, oh, there's the Ark of the Covenant. 
And only when he got to go in there was the high priest once a year to offer a sacrifice for himself and for the sins of the people. And they usually would tie a rope around their leg in case he didn't accept the payment. They could pull him out of there because nobody else wanted to go in there. Because that's where God would meet with his people. And the Shekinah glory would come up over the mercy seat. But that's where the blood was to be sprinkled upon there. So he says here in verse 3, Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and shall be girdled with a linen girdle, and with a linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats, so two goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats, present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the goat and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord. So one was to live and one was to die. And the one that lived is called the scapegoat. Someone who has paid for sin and still lives. When Jesus Christ came and he hung on the cross, it says that he bore our sins in his body on the tree. And his body was torn for us. And then the veil in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. Not the bottom to the top. God tore the veil as the body of Jesus Christ was torn for you and for I. Jesus Christ made a way for you and I to enter into the very presence of the Lord. And when Jesus died on the cross, I believe when he told her, says, look, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended unto my father. And later uh, they could touch him. He even told Thomas, put forth your hand and feel my scars in my hands and in my side. But he had took the blood into heaven and offered it upon the altar. I believe the tabernacle in the Old Testament was simply made after the pattern of one that is in heaven. There's a real one there. And you don't have to worry about the raiders of the lost ark finding it. There's the one up there. So here we find that God, yes, had to use two birds to illustrate it. And he had to use two goats to illustrate it. But every year they had to do these things and never understood why. Now they could have. There's other scriptures that explains lots of these things. But Christ told them, he says, O fools, and slow of heart to believe. Did you know that when my father-in-law sat down with me when I was 18 years old, I didn't understand all this stuff. All I knew is, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. And I knew I'm going to be judged. And I didn't like 
the outcome. It did not look pretty for me. That as it was, I knew somehow in my mind without knowing the Bible, I knew that God was just and righteous and holy. And I knew that I was not. And that bothered me. That's why for all those years, even up to the time I was 18 years old, and I wasn't raised in church, but I never took a drink. I never smoked a cigarette. I never swore a cuss word. I was afraid if I did any bad stuff, I was going to go to hell, and I didn't want to go to hell. And I did not know that all my trying to be good was not going to help me get to heaven. I didn't know that Christ had paid for my sins. I didn't understand that. But that one night when my father-in-law sat down with me, and he told me the best news I ever heard. You see, I always thought that Jesus Christ was a swear word. It's the only time I ever heard it. Jesus Christ to me was a swear word. And I didn't want to curse. And so I did everything I could to block that name out of my mind because I didn't want to use profanity. Now, isn't that a shame? And so when he explained it to me, I sat there that night and I bawled like a baby. I'd never seen anybody get saved. I didn't know what the rules were. didn't know what you did, didn't do. All I know if what he said is true, I'm going to hell. And I want to have eternal life. And I want to go to heaven when I die. And I understood that the only way I could get there is I must believe that Jesus was the substitute for my sins. That when he died, he died for me. And he paid for my sins. And therefore, I don't have to pay for them. He did it and would put that death payment to my account and God would be satisfied. It means I don't have to go to hell and I don't have to pay for any sin because God was satisfied with the payment Christ made. And I don't have to make it. And I don't have to earn it. I don't have to deserve it. God simply put that payment to my account. Just like in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus and around chapter 12, when they were told that they were going to have to get out of there and get out of there quickly, they were told to take a lamb and slay the lamb and take hyssop, which is a little branch, a little bush, and dip it in the blood and go outside of your house and put it upon the, the lintel and the doorpost and says, when I see the blood... I'll pass over you. In other words, you're safe as long as I can see the blood. But you better apply the blood. And so when God looks at me, 49 years ago, this is a type of faith that I believe that what Christ did for me, and by faith, I took that blood and I put it upon the lintel and upon the doorpost. And God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You see, that's what we call the Passover. Jesus was the Passover lamb. You see, then they had to get a lamb for different families. See, the world don't have to get a lamb. Because like when John the Baptist saw him, he says, behold, the lamb of God. And everyone who takes that little hyssop and that faith and believes that that's the Lamb of God and puts their faith in what Christ did, and that blood is applied to you.
And when God looks at me, He don't see Yankee Arnold. He don't see my sins. He sees the blood. And when He sees the blood, the wrath of God does not abide upon me. But every individual who does not accept Christ as their Savior, the wrath of God abides upon you. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides upon you. God is not looking for your church, and I'll pass over you. I'm not looking for your good works, and I'll pass over you. I'm not looking for your money. I'm not looking for your intentions. Because I'm looking for the blood. Do you believe that when Jesus died, he died for you? It is the only way for you to go to heaven. There is no other way. Your church can't get you there. Your good deeds can't get you there. Only when he says, I see the blood, I will pass over you. But if not, it's all she wrote. There is no other hope. There's no way to save yourself. So I... I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I know that I have eternal life. But take your Bible very quickly and turn there to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. And look there in verse 1. This is on page 1225 in a church Bible, or one that's in the rack in front of you, if you will see, borrow that. Remember I said borrow that in front of you. I mean, who wants to be guilty of stealing the Bible? <laughs> By the way, we have cameras back there that takes pictures of everybody who walks out with the Bible. Not really. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if... If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Boy, that sounds pretty powerful, don't it? If ye keep in memory, unless you believed in vain. You say, wait, 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 wait. That, that confuses me. Well, it, it, it's supposed to. You say, how can I believe in vain? What if I forget? This is what you're supposed to remember. Look there in verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that, get this, Christ died for our sins. According to what? The Scriptures. If Christ died for your sins, why should you have to die for your sins? You see, I don't have to go to hell and pay for one sin. Because Christ died for my sins. That's why I cannot ever, in the future, ever go to hell and pay for my sins. So you don't deserve that, I know. That's why it's called grace. Grace means it's unmerited. You don't deserve it. You say, but what if I do something really, really bad? Well, when Christ died on the cross, he paid for some really, really, really bad sins. There isn't one sin Christ did not pay for. He paid for all the sins of the world. All that you have to do is believe it. And when you believe it, God knows it. Isn't that simple? If you believe it, yeah, God knows you believe it. When you believe that He did it for you, God knows you 
believe it. And He saves you from hell and puts that death payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. Well, how can it be in vain? Well, it can be in vain if Jesus Christ didn't come back from the dead. You see there, look what he says in verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. It would be ridiculous for me to trust Christ to take me to heaven when he's still dead. If he can't get himself out of the grave, he's no help to me. But one of the greatest verses in the Bible, it says that when they went to the tomb and they looked and it says, He is not here. He is not here. He is risen. And it says that if Christ did not come back from the dead, then my preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. You're believing in vain. And we are of all men most miserable. But, if he did come back from the dead, then my preaching is not in vain, and your faith is not in vain. Your trusting him is not in vain, and our sins are paid for, and he is coming again. Look there in verse 58. Therefore, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So since the day I trusted Christ as my Savior, God saved me. He cannot cast me out. He cannot lose me. I cannot go to hell. It's impossible because Christ died for my sins. People say they believe that, but they don't believe it. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe it. Anyone who teaches that you can be saved today and go to hell tomorrow, don't understand it. You don't understand. You'll never deserve it. You never have done anything to deserve it, and you never will. Salvation is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. I can't stand up here and say, I'm going to heaven because I'm so good. Because I'm so bad. I'm going to heaven because he is so good. And he loved me. And he showed me how much he loved me by paying for my sins. And giving to me the free gift of eternal life. I'm glad that he loved me that much. See, a lot of people believe that Jesus is necessary. They just don't believe he's enough. He is enough. He's all I need. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, do you think it's about time? You say, well, I go to church every Sunday. I don't care if you go every day of the week. I ain't going to get your little pinkies one inch closer to the pearly gates. I don't care how much money you give. I've given millions of dollars. It don't mount a hill of beans. 
That has nothing to do with going to heaven. Well, I live the best I can. That has nothing to do with going to heaven. It's so difficult for people to understand that how you live has absolutely nothing to do with where you're going when you die. I'm going to heaven because there was a time in my life that I accepted Christ as my Savior. And if you've never trusted Him as your Savior, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. If you reject Him, you have no hope. So right now in the quietness of this moment, your own mind, why don't you just say something like this to the Lord? Lord, I believe it. I believe. I believe He did it for me, and I'm going to trust Him right now as my Savior. And God said if you trust Him right now, He would give you right now eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it would last forever. And if it lasts forever, and all your sins are paid, then where would you go when you die? To heaven. I'm just curious. With heads up and eyes open, and you're looking right at me. How many even know positively, beyond a shadow of if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? Let me see your hand. All right, put it down real quick. I don't want to embarrass somebody. I wanted you to see there's other nuts in here just like me. They're not going to heaven because they're better than someone else. You see, they have owned up to the fact they're sinners and can't save themselves. Now, the only reason you don't trust Christ as Savior, it might be because you just don't believe none of it at all, or you believe you're good enough. You're not good enough. You have to be perfect. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us. It means that we have a sinful nature and we all do things wrong. That's everybody I know. And God says to pay for that. See, God made a law. The soul that sinneth shall die. So since we all sin, we all die. That's why eventually all of us are going to die. But God says He loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, heaven's a perfect place. And you have to be perfect to go there, and none of us are. Because we got sin, we got to pay for that, and that's eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. So how can I get to heaven when I got a debt to pay? That's why God says you cannot save yourself. This hymn represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He was the lamb without spot and blemish. And whenever they would bring uh, their lambs to the priests, they would inspect them, make sure that there's no spot or blemish. And keep them for maybe three or four days, make sure everything is all right. For inspection. That's what they did with Jesus. And then, when they found no fault in him, God the Father delivered him up. And he put our sins upon him. So Christ did not pay for one sin of his. He had none. He paid for all of our sins. The lamb without spot. No faults, no flaws. And he paid for the payment in full, came back again from the dead, and said that if we would believe that he would be our substitute for our death. See, I don't have to die and pay for my sins. He did it for me. So then I don't have to pay for my sins. I don't have to go to hell to pay for my sins. He did it. And yet there's multitudes of people 
all over this world going to be celebrating Easter and have no clue what it's about. They're going to reenact the crucifixion scene and they're going to carry crosses and haven't got a clue what they're doing. They don't understand that when Christ died, he paid for sins and came back from the dead. And if you trust him, he'll give you eternal life. I hope I'm understood. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I want to thank you for coming today when you could have gone so many places. And maybe somebody got you here today because they wanted you to hear what I had to say. Maybe it's because they really love you. They care about you. Maybe they just don't want you to go to hell. They love you so much. But their love can't get you to heaven. But they wanted you to hear about somebody else's love. God's love. See, God loves you so much that he was willing to give his only begotten son. And he died for you. Would you believe he did it for you? In the quietness of this moment, in your own mind, why not just say something simple like this? Lord, I don't understand it all. But I believe Jesus Christ died for me. And I'm trusting him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Now, friend, I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. I do it with heads bowed and eyes closed because I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want somebody else looking at you. But I want to know if what I said made sense. It means so much to me. And I want to know if what I said made sense. And so I'm going to ask you, will you trust Christ as your Savior? And if you'll do that, I want to know if you'll just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Yes, God bless you, sir. Anyone? Yes, God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? Just very quickly, just slip it up, put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pin you against the wall or embarrass you in any way. I don't want anything from you. Anyone else before we close say, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior this morning. I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. I believe he did it for me. Anyone else before we close? Just slip it up where I can see it. It's kind of hard to see all the way back in the back, but anyone else? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. God gives you eternal life as a free gift, and you'll go to heaven whenever you die. God loves you so much. As his child, Look for him to come back again. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our Father, we thank you so much for these that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would accept that payment that you made on the cross for them. And Father, by doing so, that blood has been applied by doing so that they become your children, born into your family. You'll never cast them out and never lose them. We thank you so much for this time together to be able to honor you on this resurrection weekend. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.